so this is week two of our September sermon series, Why Church? We're spending this month talking about uh, why it matters that we have a church home. We're talking about the difference that the church makes in our lives as we walk our spiritual journeys in the context of a particular community of faith. Some of us may very well take this point for granted, especially if we long ago decided that the church would be an essential part of who we are. But as we invite and welcome new people to join us here at Christ United, it's good to have clarity about why we believe that people need a spiritual home. Last week, we talked about the importance of praying together as a community of faith. In the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, the mission of the church to serve others and the life-giving and life-sustaining fellowship of the church. Today, we're talking about the importance of continuing to grow in our faith. And to help us think about that, we're going to be turning to the wisdom tradition of the Bible. In his Old Testament Uh, Introduction to Old Testament Wisdom, a scholar named James Crenshaw defines wisdom this way. It's a little bit long, so I'm putting it on the screen for you. Uh, Wisdom is the reasoned search for specific ways to ensure personal well-being in everyday life, to make sense of extreme adversity and vexing anomalies, and to transmit this hard-earned knowledge so that successive generations will embody it. Wisdom, then, in the biblical tradition is about our spiritual well-being. It's about spiritual resilience in the face of life's hardships. It's about living a life pleasing to God. And it's about passing down these lessons to our kids and grandkids. That's the essence of the biblical wisdom tradition. In the New Testament, the letter of James is in the wisdom tradition. In the Old Testament, The wisdom tradition includes the books of Job and Ecclesiastes, it includes some of the Psalms, and of course, it includes the book that we're reading from today, the book of Proverbs. A common thread through all of these writings is that they tend to be exceedingly practical. Uh, Wisdom literature seeks to make clear how it is that we live in accordance with God's will, which is to say, wisdom literature has everything to do with the formation of character. Now, before we go any further, we need to highlight the distinction between wisdom and knowledge. I think we all intuitively know that knowledge and wisdom are not synonyms, but I think uh, we sometimes have difficulty articulating the distinction. So you may have heard this example before, but I do think it's a helpful one. Uh, Knowledge is understanding that uh, the tomato is a fruit Okay. Wisdom is realizing that tomatoes do not go in fruit salad, right? It's an important distinction. Knowing something is, is not the same thing as understanding the practical application of that knowledge. In the Christian context, um, we can have a lot of knowledge about Jesus. We may know a bunch of details about his life and his ministry and his teachings, which is great. It's very important. Wisdom, though, goes further. It means allowing the life, ministry, and teachings of Christ to form our character and to to shape the way we show up in the world. For example, it's one thing to know that the, the two great commandments according to the teachings of Christ are that we love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that we love our neighbor as ourselves. That knowledge is important. It's an important starting point. 
But wisdom recognizes all the ways in which God expects us to follow these commandments in all aspects of our lives, to live out these commandments in all aspects of our lives. Because what good is it to know that I should love God if I, if I don't live my life acting in a way that demonstrates my love for God? Uh, what, what good is it to know that I should love my neighbor if I don't act in loving ways in my life? The question is, uh, how do we grow in our faith in such a way that we attain not just the knowledge, but the wisdom of God? So, our reading for today, which is actually the, the recommended Old Testament reading for today, um, is about this subject. And when people think of Proverbs, they often think of these kind of short, pithy statements um, that you can put on those page-a-day calendars, you know, and something to remember every day. And actually, it gets a little ponderous to read extended sections of Proverbs for that reason. But there are a couple of sections of Proverbs that are more narrative, uh, that that kind of tell a story in some ways, and this is one of those. So this is uh, Proverbs 1. I'm going to read verses 20 through 28 right now. Listen, friends, for the Word of God as it is proclaimed by God's servant, the author of Proverbs, uh, which is typically attributed to King Solomon. Wisdom cries out in the street, in the squares, She raises her voice. At the busiest corner, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. I'm just going to warn you here. Um, Wisdom wisdom comes off a little grumpy in this passage. So just just prepare yourself. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Give heed to my reproof. I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called you and you have refused, have stretched out my hand and no one heeded. And because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when panic strikes you. When panic strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In the Hebrew wisdom tradition, um, both wisdom and folly are personified as women. And here in this first chapter, very early in the book of Proverbs, woman wisdom makes her appearance. She appears in the square, on the corner, uh, at, the, at the city gates. In other words, she stands in the most public places of the city where all the business of the city is conducted because she's trying to get our attention. Woman wisdom in Proverbs is the personification of the wisdom of God through whom God is saying in these verses, essentially, for the love of all that is holy, <laughs> seek me out. Now implied in this invitation is the promise that God's wisdom is available to all those who seek it. And seeking wisdom in the wisdom tradition is important because in the wisdom tradition there is this, this stark and 
binary choice. The wise are righteous, the foolish are wicked. And whether we're wise or a fool is entirely up to us. Hence, wisdom's challenge. How long will, will you scoffers be proud of your scoffing? How long will you fools keep choosing foolishness? And then she essentially says, look, if you want to act the fool, don't come running to me when your foolishness gets you into all kinds of heartache and trouble. Now, as Christians, <laughs> with the grace of Christ as the thing that kind of motivates our lives and assures us of our salvation, that sounds pretty harsh, right? But the good news is that we can choose not to be scoffers and fools. According to the wisdom tradition, that choice is entirely ours. In the fourth chapter of Proverbs, just a little bit after our reading today, in a section that my HarperCollins study Bible calls parental advice, we read, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. <laughs> and whatever else you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. In other words, the beginning of wisdom is to choose to pursue it. The beginning of wisdom is the, the desire to be wise. And in our faith tradition, uh, that spiritual growth has never happened in isolation. In the Judeo-Christian tradition, growing in our faith requires joining a community of, of like-minded friends who are also seeking to grow in their faith because it is in community that we're formed into disciples whose knowledge of God is lived out in practical ways. Now our spiritual journeys unfold in lots of ways and in lots of venues, of course. We are formed by, by weekly worship. That's why we're all here today. We're formed by corporate prayer, as we talked about last week. We're formed by acts of service. We're gonna be talking about that next week. We're formed by generosity, which we'll talk about next month in our annual stewardship campaign. We're also, of course, formed by uh, intentional small groups, those intentional small groups that we uh, choose to be part of along the way. As I mentioned in the announcements, throughout this back-to-school season, we've been highlighting the many different ministry areas here at Christ United, focusing on a different area each week. Today, as I mentioned, the emphasis is on, fittingly, adult discipleship, which, if you've been around for a while, you know has always been a strength of this congregation. Every Sunday morning, we have 20 different Sunday school classes that meet. We actually added a new one just today. And in those classes, some 700 members of Christ United grow in their faith together every week. But our intentional small groups are not just limited to Sunday morning. Uh, beyond Sunday morning, we have over a dozen ongoing additional groups, different kinds of groups, seasonal classes, helping hundreds more of our congregation members and their friends uh, to grow both in knowledge and in wisdom. And throughout the series, what we've been doing is highlighting these different ministry areas through a video during the offering time. We're actually going to break that pattern today and watch the adult discipleship video now. So I was a member of the church for a lot of years before we joined the Sunday school class. And I think the difference when you're really plugged into a group is that you feel this deep sense of community. 
and you have the opportunity to pray for others that are in your group, to know what's going on in their lives, think about them during the week, and know that they're doing the same for you. Growing up, I was always in Sunday school. It was just what I was taught. My parents went to Sunday school. I had to go to Sunday school. It was what we did. It was just part of our family. Um, coming here, I was, we would come to church, our kids would go to Sunday school, but we would always go to church and the music is always outstanding, the sermons have always been great. Um, you, know, you come for the music, you come for the sermon, but we come for the community, we come for the, for the support. And that's what we're here for every Sunday and it's just been great. It's been a really great addition for our family for sure. We have talented musicians and singers, so sometimes we have a lot of singing. So our Sunday school class can look different on any given Sunday. And it's because we embrace each other's differences. During the pandemic, what we've found is that we need each other, not just for our friendship, but for our spiritual growth and for comfort. And it's a place where I think you will feel warm and you will get hugs. And if you don't want hugs, you can do virtual hugs. Anybody who comes in, I think will feel welcome because we just like new faces and we like to see smiles. Christ United has become more than just a church where I come to worship on Sunday. It is my second home. And that has happened because of the friendships that I have developed over the years. I've had many opportunities through Bible studies and service projects and singing in the sanctuary choir to develop friendships. Being a part of a Sunday school class can be so enriching. It takes you beyond just being part of a Christian community to being part of a Christian family where you love each other, you support each other, and you know you can depend upon each other. And so I would encourage each of you to find that special Sunday school class that meets your needs. I would invite you to take the next step. And whether you are simply looking for community, whether you're looking to really challenge yourself and what you know, if you're trying to deconstruct your theology or, or whatever, or you just want to deepen your relationship with God, I would encourage you to sign up for a group, join a Sunday school class, or sign up for a short-term class here at Christ United, because I guarantee that it will transform your life for the better. Over the past 20 years, serving four different churches, I've seen over and over again the power of intentional small groups, whether they meet on Sunday morning or during the week here at the church or in people's homes or in coffee shops or in restaurants. Faith development groups can be an invaluable part of our spiritual nurture and growth. Yes, we grow in our faith through study and conversation for sure, but just as importantly, in my opinion, we grow close in community as we share life together, raising families, celebrating life's triumphs, grieving life's losses, cheering on each other's spiritual journeys. Our Sunday schools and Sunday school classes and small groups are, are often the first ones to bring us food <laughs> when a baby arrives or we're stuck at home with some ailment. They're often the first ones to check on us if we miss a couple of weeks for some reason. 
and pray for us when we need prayers. And there's no better time to get connected to a Sunday school class or a small group than during this time of year when we've got classes and groups that are either forming or resuming as the summer ends and a new school year begins. We've got lots of studies starting this week, including uh, my study of Genesis, which begins at 3.30 p.m. this afternoon. Cowboys played on Thursday night, so there are no football conflicts with showing up at 3.30 here at the church. (laughs) And for those who are connecting primarily online, we have an exciting announcement today, effective today. Reverend Paige Christian is now our pastor of off-campus ministries. We have lots of folks who are primarily online, and if you would like to uh, join a Bible study or form a group, a weekly group with other online members of Christ United, you can contact Paige at cumc.com. She's actually leading a a virtual study beginning in October uh, by a theologian named Henry Nowen. Nowen taught at Notre Dame, so you know that's going to be a fantastic study. Shameless plug for my Irish. All of which is to say, Whether you're in person or online, there are lots of ways to connect with your brothers and sisters in Christ here at Christ United. All right, let's finish our reading. This is the end of that first chapter, verses 29 through 33. Listen again, friends, for God's word. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, They shall eat the fruit of their way and be sated with their own devices. For waywardness kills the simple and the complacency of fools destroys them. But, but, those who listen to me will be secure and will live at ease without dread of disaster. Amen. So, in 2005, Texas' own Jamie Foxx, I think he's from Terrell, Um, He won the Academy Award for his brilliant portrayal of Ray Charles in the movie Ray. If you've seen that movie, uh, you know that it was an incredible performance by an incredibly talented actor and singer. And in his acceptance speech, he, he poignantly thanked his deceased grandmother. She was the woman who raised him. She was the woman for whom his daughter was named. And he said that his grandmother was his first acting teacher. And then in that role, she handed on to him the essential wisdom that every young person needs, wisdom that formed his character and made him the man that he ultimately became. These are his words now. She told me to stand up straight, put your shoulders back, act like you got some sense. (laughs) I don't know how many of you have heard that. I have heard that in my life. (laughs) And he said that, that when he would act the fool, literally his words, when he would act the fool, it was his grandmother who would get him back on the right track. His new memoir, which comes out next month, has a title that is an homage to the woman of wisdom in his life. It's called, Act Like You Got Some Sense. (laughs) Sometimes the most important lessons that we learn are the most direct. Now, much of Proverbs reads this way as if life is a a matter of basic choices. I mean, we all know that there's uh, plenty that we cannot control, of course. We've lived long enough to know that, that bad things do indeed happen to good people and that life is not always as straightforward as the notion that if you do good, you get good, and you do bad, 
you get that. We all know that life is more complicated than that, but that's a, that's a sermon series for another day. The biblical wisdom tradition presents us with this inescapable equation that our, that our parents and our grandparents taught us. That life is about choices and that our, our actions do in fact have consequences. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus puts it starkly. He says, the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction and there are many who take it. Centuries earlier, woman wisdom would have described those many who take the easy road as the scoffers and the fools, those who, quote, shall eat the fruit of their way and be sated with their own devices. But thankfully, friends, and I know you know this because you're all here today, we have the choice to follow the other path, the path of the wise, the path that we learn in the context of the community of faith. And if you'll pardon the, the mixed metaphors here, the path that gives us the knowledge that tomatoes are fruit <laughs> and the wisdom to realize that they do not go in fruit salad. <laughs> Those who listen to me, she says, will be secure and will live at ease without dread of disaster. Why church? Because this is where we learn from each other in the context of our community, the wisdom of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.